this is Rowan with our afterbirth group from Preggers Can Be Choosers. And um, we do this every other Tuesday. And we have a brand new spanking intro from Caitlin that I. This is Preggers Can Be Choosers, the fourth and more postpartum support group where we offer peer to peer support for each other. We would love to have you join in the conversation live every other Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Need a reminder? Signed up for text alerts to join us at tapit.us backslash jdoa5. Are you listening and finding this podcast helpful? Let us know on our Facebook page at Preggers Can Be Choosers or become a supporter at anchor.fm backslash pcbc backslash support. Need someone to talk to now? The Postpartum International or PSI Warm Line is 1-800-944-4PPD or 1-800-944-4773. We love you and you are not alone. But basically we're all here together to love up and share up and um, navigate postpartum and even pregnancy together. And even if you're postpartum 10 years or whatever, we're all here and we're just going to work it out together. So that's what we're doing today. This is a group where we share open hearted. We never say this is what you should do. We always say this is what you can do or this is what worked for me. And in general, this this group is so spot on and amazing and I'm just really grateful for it. So um, I'll introduce myself real quick. My name is Rowan. I'm a part one third of Preggers Can Be Choosers. We're a midwifery and mental health uh, organization here in Houston, Texas. And this offering of afterbirth a support group is designed for people who um, can't get out of their house at one point or, um, you know, it's just not convenient or they need a group in the middle of a Tuesday or they're up nursing in the middle of the night and want to listen to us as a podcast. Totally chill. We're here to support. So my name is Rowan. Oh, I'm a licensed midwife here in Houston, Texas and urban Kudondetta. So who would like to introduce themselves next? Just to unmute yourself. I'm Tiffany. Um, I am a stay-at-home mom to two girls. Um, Lily is five and in kindergarten, and Willow is three and a half and at home watching a movie. Um, my family and I were living in Houston, so I do know a couple of these ladies personally, and now we are living in Parkville, Maryland. Made the big move this summer and everyone is still adjusting. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I'm super sick today. Um, and I have two sick boys. Well, like it's been a three week cycle for me to get here. Um, of kids being sick. Um, two boys, five and two, and the five-year-old is in school. Um, but he's been home for four days of school so far. Uh, two last week and two this week. With two different illnesses because he got better over the weekend. So that's been fun. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. Can y'all hear me? Okay, this is Beverly. Um, I'm a mom of four now. I have an eight-year-old um, almost seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-week-old now. And um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say, just trying to navigate right now. 
Am I up? Okay. <laughs> um, let me move my microphone. So I'm Dr. Blythe. I'm a part of Preggers Can Be Choosers with Rowan and I'm looking at this adorable baby yawning on here and uh, thank you for the complimentary oxytocin, Beverly. Hey y'all, um, so I'm navigating a cat that's her job is to Marie Kondo and throw everything I might ever want or have liked in the past on the floor and break it into nine million pieces. In fact, it's very much like having anywhere from a kid from three to five, three to seven. I remember at one point Rose broke something. I'd made dinner in this real special bowl and she opened the fridge real fast. She was like four and like the whole thing like fell on the ground and like shattered and dinner was ruined. And I just remember saying, I'm going to walk around the house and hand you everything I love so you can break it right now in front of me so there will be no surprises. And I'm so glad this is not a parenting high point for me, okay? And so then her other mother was like, um, why don't we just let Rowan have a moment and, you know, like kind of took her out of the kitchen because <laughs> she didn't mean to, but it was like that. So this cat like brings that up for me a lot. It's a, it's a good experience in letting go. It's a good exercise. But um, anyway, I wanted to, uh, so I'm doing that. So if you see me waving my hand, I'm not like, you know, exercising anything i'm just trying to navigate this cat but um i was wondering if beverly would be open when somebody comes on normally we go ahead and we ask them to share their birth story and beverly's birth story is kind of interesting um for a different level lots of levels but one that i'm kind of interested in is the fact that she live streamed it on birth tube and um so that was pretty exciting for me and i didn't know what's happening till i got there so i mean i think somewhere in my mind i knew that you were on birth tube but like i didn't really um you know, like, think about it. Oh, I was an assistant at Beverly's birth. Let me, is that okay for, Bev, I can edit this out if you'd like. Okay. I was an assistant. I was one of the midwives at Beverly's birth. So um, anyway, look at me. So, so chill on that, not. Okay. So Bev, do you mind sharing your birth story and then maybe talking a little bit about, because um, I know that the primary midwife, Shannon, said that it was important to you to do that live stream and I didn't really know much about it. So take it away, Bev. Yeah, so it's something that I had never thought that I would ever do when I first heard about birth tube. Um, I was like, oh my God, I would, I would never do that. That's crazy. Um, but then I joined the group and I was, I was watching other people's births and I would always see comments on there like, oh my gosh, you're giving me so much ins inspiration right now. I feel like I can do this now and um, a bunch of comments like that. So I wanted to be able to do that, you know, for other people like show other people that that's like that birth is normal and like totally like you can totally do this and um and I did like I went back afterwards and it was absolutely crazy first of all to see myself birth <laughs> I've never done that before but um also to see like the comments from everyone and to have people tell me that I inspired them that was pretty crazy so um yeah, the birth that I just went through was not like, I mean, every birth has been completely different, but um, <laughs> I need to nurse her. Sorry, I don't have a, I don't have a stand or anything. So I'm like, I'm going to have to put my phone down for a little bit. Hold on. Oh. Um, yeah, so I knew that this was going to be a big baby. And um, I'm sure my whole birth team knew that. So we were all prepared um, for that situation. But, and I've had some big babies before, but this was like, she took the cake. Um, and I had to work really hard to 
get her in good positions and um and all that but it was more of an emotionally hard birth for me and I'm not sure why but um I think just towards the end of this pregnancy I was so so ready to um to meet her and there was a lot of um I'm not sure why. I mean, it happens to everyone during every pregnancy, but it was especially this one. I had a really, really rough time emotionally during the end of it. And um, so there were a few times during labor that I kind of broke down a little bit. And I don't think I showed it nearly as much as, um, or I don't think I did, but <laughs> I don't think I showed it nearly as much as I was feeling it. But there were definitely a couple of times that I just was, um, it's just, <laughs> there was a point, I think that Shannon checked me and I was six centimeters and I was expecting her to say eight or nine. And for some reason that really got me down. And, um, you Rowan made a big difference for me. I was kind of like weeping a little bit about the six centimeters and I don't remember exactly what you said to me but you were like hey it's not about how many centimeters you are like you've made so much progress like you're about to meet your baby really soon and I just like held on to that for the rest of my labor and um so yeah and then I always have um an issue with I start pushing too early and my cervix gets swollen and then Shannon has to hold my cervix or I need to not push for a while. And it's just like, I really didn't want that to happen. And then of course that happened, but not, not terribly. Um, so that made me emotional, but then, but it was just one of those things. I was like, okay, I've done this before. I know I can do it. And, um, and I did. And then of course, pushing was absolutely crazy. Um, I had to work harder than I've ever worked in my life to, to get the baby out. Um, but yeah, so I think that there's a lot of aspects about my birth that kind of put me in shock afterwards. Um, I mean, right after I was like, Oh my gosh, the baby's here and everything's, you know, perfect. But then I think it was probably like three days after, um, the birth, I went back and watched the video, um, with my partner and we both just like cried our eyes out. And, um, it was really, really emotional. Uh, and it kind of just put me in shock. Like, I can't believe I did that. That's crazy. Uh, she was a 10 pound baby and I'm, I'm a small person. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was really, really hard to say the least. And I think it did a lot to me, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. It just like put me in a, in a weird spot. So I'm like super, super grateful for it. I'm still in shock about it. Um, and we've talked about having another kid, but right now I'm like, um, my body is like so torn up <laughs> that, you know, I'm like hoping I can heal from it in order to do that. So yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. Just, um, it was amazing, but it was really really hard so that's where I'm at do you think watching it later again on the birth tube um like 
do you feel like that was traumatizing or it was empowering or it's like a mix or swirl of things like kind of um I think it was a good thing for me to be able to watch it uh I wouldn't say traumatizing it was it was just um I think it was good for me and I think I will have to I think I I will need to go back and watch it again um to keep processing it not over and over again but I think you know a few more times I'm going to find myself going and looking for that video so I can um I don't know keep processing it I think it's going to take a while so no it definitely not, wasn't a negative thing for me and um is it okay for me to oh either I'm frozen or you're frozen okay is it okay to um share a little bit about a couple of things that happened during your birth because yeah. I was yeah. there. Okay, but I don't want to over disclose. Okay, so Beverly is a very small lady, and so this is a big baby, and she really had a. And this is a water birth, and it was televised on BirthTube, which is um, a group on Facebook where women can live stream having their babies, and you have to go through approval and stuff like that. But that's what we were doing, and Beverly had a home birth, and um, I had talked to her uh, spouse a little bit about that we might have to do something with an Ambu bag, which is inflate the baby's lungs. And it's very gentle. And I was taught by Karen Strange, who is the, like, the best um, NRP, neonatal resuscitation instructor you will ever go to. Even as a doula or a birth worker or anything, NRP is the biz with Karen Strange. So I'd already showed your husband that, or your partner that. And so you can see me in the video at one point, look at him and say, this is what we talked about, you know? Um, but we had to do some of those inflation breaths for the baby's lungs. And, um, and we did that all on your hip while you're like in a birth pool, right? So it was like kind of uh, a tense and exciting time. And the team really worked well together beautifully. But I wondered if seeing that part later, because you couldn't really see it because you were on your side and we were doing it with the baby on your hip. And I wondered if that might be like upsetting to you later. Um, no, it was, it was shocking. That's the only word that I can describe because I've seen that um at other people's births I used to be a doula and a birth assistant and um I've seen that happen before uh it was pretty crazy to see it happen with my baby but I knew that something was going on and of course like when she came out she was not looking great um and I knew that and all I could do was look at my partner because for those of you who don't know I have four kids um, three of them were with my previous marriage and this one was his first baby. So it was his first time going through any of this. Um, and she came out not looking so great. And I just looked at him. I said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. She's okay. She's okay. Um, cause I knew that she was going to be okay. And there was never a second, you know, that passed that I was thinking she wasn't. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, that's like, she came out and that happened and we both looked at each other while we were watching the video and just, we, it got us, it got us good. We, we cried about it for sure. But, um, I just completely trusted my whole birth team. I mean, everyone there was perfect and amazing and I couldn't have asked for a better birth team. So I just, and of course I've had babies with Shannon before already, so I completely 100% trust her with my life. And, um, I just couldn't have picked a better birth team. Cool. And one thing we talked about, I don't know how many podcasts ago, was that even if you have like the perfect birth, you know, perfect in like air quotes here, that you can still 
have feelings and um you know like a perfect birth does not equate a perfect postpartum right so um i just wanted to throw that out so yeah um, all right does anybody else have any questions about bev's birth before we move on to our topic so since you streamed your birth um like where did you share that with family who couldn't be there or were you just share that with family like this is how you can watch but I don't actually want you there <laughs> how how was that I actually did not um I <laughs> I didn't tell anyone I it's weird because um I am a kind of I am one of those people that I like as few people around while I birth as possible I'm very private when it comes to birthing um and I didn't let anyone in my family there um, and yet I was completely okay with thousands of people watching it on birth two. I don't know why I can't really explain that. Maybe it just was because they don't know me. Um, they were completely, the whole thing was out of sight, out of mind to me. I was not thinking about the fact that I was online. Um, and I did not invite any of my family members into the group because I felt like it would give them more reason to either call or tell my partner or me or um, if anything were to happen like what did happen they would be of course freaking out and I didn't want anything like that to going on um, I have already told my mom and his mom that they are welcome to watch the video but I've warned them that it's quite an emotional thing to watch and neither one of them have seen it yet but I did say that they are welcome to watch it I just didn't want them watching it live so that was just my personal preference. I don't know if you can read the chat box, but it says strangers worry less because there isn't that same emotional attachment and they can't call you in the middle of something. That's from Caitlin. So. Yeah, that's so true. Um, yeah, it was completely different. Like I said, there was thousands of people watching and it did not bother me at all to know that. So, <laughs> One thing I wanted to lap back around to was um, when you, when you, were, they checked you when you were six centimeters and I was like, like Beverly and I know each other and <clears throat> we like each other a lot, but you know, like I was kind of hanging back with a dog. She has a real cool dog. So I was like hanging out with a dog in the other room and I would come and help whenever needed, but I was really kind of staying out of the way until they needed me to be in it so um but when she checked you and you were six centimeters you had moved the baby station was a lot different and for me now that i've taken spinning babies like for nine times or whatever it's been doing the spinning babies like workshops and stuff like that and i'm going to go to their aware practitioner course with um mary who's the other part of practice can be choosers we're going to go do that in um february with my friend nicole um but spinning babies taught me that where the baby is in the pelvis and how the baby's position is, is more important than cervical dilation. So when you had made this huge jump and I forget what it was, but I was like, Oh shit, we're fixing to have a baby. Let's get on, kind of get our act together here. Um, and that's what told me that. So, cause getting married to the numbers um, and you know, and you've had kind of a big gap between the last two kids. So there are things that could have gone on with your cervix that made it less responsive to dilation um, you know, just through life or whatever. And um, so that didn't mean as much to me because I can tell you were working hard and baby was moving down and, and things were, things were going. So that's why I said that. So, um, okay. So I just wanted to lap back around that. Those of you listening, that station and baby positioning is way more important than dilation. 
Because you can be 10 and not have a baby coming down through your pelvis, and that's a problem. But being six and a baby moving down and good, applying its head pressure really well and a good labor pattern, that's gold, man. That's just gold. So, okay. Anybody else have anything to say before we hop into the topic? Congratulations on birthing a 10 down baby at home. Good job. You're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations. Sorry, I just like hopped on here. So I didn't really get to hear the beginning, but I'll loop back around and listen to the recording. Do you want to um, introduce yourself real quick, Mama D? Yeah. Hi, I'm Mama D. Um, uh, I, well, I can't think right now. Sorry. <laughs> it's been like a crazy morning. Um, Sorry, guys. What happened? Tell it. We're here for you. Tell us. But I can't have this on air. I'll edit it out. Hey, everybody. We're going to go to a quick break. But before that, Adila shared something really personal. So we edited it out. But we were there. We loved up on her. And we were all together in it. So here's our quick break. See you on the other side here and wanted to try to just like feel feel that support that 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 love that you guys always you know share and always give so I appreciate it I definitely don't know what I want right now so it's just all fresh but um yeah thanks guys okay moving on to the topic all right well here's our topic um I read this cool email this morning from so, yeah, so you know where to edit Oh, yeah. Here, you do it for me while I look at this email. Okay. Mama Strong. Okay. So, um, you guys know that I'm a big fan of Mama Strong and that, um, well, I'm just a big fan of Courtney Wyckoff in general. So, um, anyway, they send out an email every day. Mama Strong is a program that you can join up online. It's $5 a month, and it's a fitness program, but it's how to keep your shit together postpartum through fitness and it's 15 minutes a day and I try and do it um some of it I can't do because I'm having a flare right now but some of I can I was doing it here in the airstream while the cat was trying to jump on me but they send out an email every day of people in the community that they share and I wanted to read this one today and kind of talk about it together so this is um today it's um October 29th 19 or uh, 19 2019 and here's the email naturally I never would have imagined how unprepared I would feel when I became a mother Having the actual baby, that I was prepared for, or so I thought. I had the baby showers, I took the classes, I read all the books, followed the social media accounts. But being a mother, nothing prepared me for that. I didn't even realize that was something I had to be prepared for. I imagined it would all come so naturally. I thought I was always destined to be a mother. <clears throat> it was something I was always so sure of, and therefore, of course, I would be a natural. We had the nursery stocked, we had all the gear reviewed, we had, all the, we had the five S's down and had practice swaddling on many a teddy bear. But those nights when I couldn't get him to stop crying, those feelings of desperation when he wouldn't latch it, he was screaming from hunger, those long days alone in the house feeling like I didn't have a friend in the world, that painful realization that being a mother wasn't coming naturally at all, that I was not prepared for. I felt so alone. I wanted people to reach out and ask, not just about the baby, but about me. I wanted to be able to be honest if they did. I had no idea that my recovery would be so long or that breastfeeding would be such a challenge that would require multiple referrals and consultations or that I was embarking on the biggest, most significant physical and emotional and personal transformation of my life. 
So, and then she goes on to say that she was happy that she found Mama Strong and it really created a community for her and she could show up. So I just wanted to talk about that. Like, how do, how did you navigate the transformation of becoming a mother? Was it natural for you? Was it not? And what could we be doing to share with other people? And maybe this is the first step, just talking about it, about going from not being a mom or a person who parents to being somebody who parents and adding subsequent layers with extra children or not extra, but, you know, subsequent children. So I just wanted to throw that out. Thoughts, whatever. Hit it. Yeah, I think um, I think that's rough. Like when you don't have um, like elders around you um, who have been through it, who have kind of gone through the cycle of parenting through all the stages, because um, you know they have that wisdom that they carry with them through, like not just like the infant stage, but like the teenager and like the young adults, and like helping their children become adults and, and you know make their own lives, but. Um, I think like a huge help for me was that uh, my mom came and stayed with us for the first two weeks after birth. And like, she would like show me how to do things. Like she showed me how to massage my baby. She showed me how to bind my abdomen, like how to take care of my body. She showed me how to bathe my child. She showed me um, like, this is how you massage your breasts. This is how you take care of, of these little things. Um, and, you know, this is how you set up your routine in the morning for yourself, like drinking your tea, having your breakfast, feeding baby, putting baby down so you can, you know, eat something, things like that. Um, and getting my routine started so that when she left, I already had something built in. I already had like a, um, a root, like, yeah, I guess a routine built in. Um, and then like, yeah, for sure. And um, and making sure that my husband had his time to to get uh, like acquainted, I suppose, with the child and being able to like build his own self-esteem with the baby so that he knew how to take care of the baby. And my mom like telling me to give them that time, like to, to step away and like let Khaled be a dad and let him know how to take care of his child so that he's not always relying on me. Because if he always relies on me, then I'm always going to be in charge or always going to feel like everything's weighted down. If that makes sense. Like all the responsibilities are on me when it's not, it's like a shared thing. Right. And so she kind of like helped me understand that um, just because I'm breastfeeding doesn't mean that he can't also like contribute. And I had to give him that space to learn how to contribute and to learn how to um, be confident in himself and being a parent. Um, and uh, so yeah, that really helped. And it was, and it wasn't just like, you know, I had family like coming in to help me. Like she like stayed with me for two weeks, like slept over and everything. So she was there in the night, she was there in, in the day. And so I was really blessed to have like a family do that for free. Um, uh, so that was really nice. I mean, now we have, you know, professionals that can come help you do that. Um, but I think that was like super, super, super helpful. I did not transition super easy with Skylar. I don't, um, part, well, I guess parts did and some didn't. Uh, my mom was also there for like the first two weeks after he was born and she lived in a different state. So it was challenging. And she like taught me how like to give him a bath and some different things. But for the most part, she kind of let me do my own thing. Um, 
And then like we had a friend come drop off food and what I really wanted was like a visitor. And I didn't get a visitor. I just like she dropped off food and that was it. And I was like really appreciative for the food, but what I really needed was company. Um, but I didn't know how to voice that with with my oldest. Um so parts of it came really naturally. Breastfeeding wasn't an issue for me, thankfully, with Skylar, especially after our um home birth transfer for a cesarean. Um and certain parts came really easy and other parts just didn't. And since my mom passed, I feel like I don't have that same support um from like an elder because my mother-in-law is the best mother-in-law in that she kind of keeps her opinions to herself. Um, but that I also feel anxious trying to ask her what I should do with my kids, you know, because it's just not the same as going, hey, mom, it's not. Because, it, you know, I have 12 years of a relationship with her, not 32. Um, and then someone told me when I was pregnant to build your village early. And I had no clue what the hell that meant until I was already a mom going, oh shit, I need people who are already like in this or like at the same stage of life as me, not necessarily the same age, the same stage of life um, with kids the same age so that we could navigate this and trying to create that in a city I wasn't a part of because I we had just moved to Houston like uh, four months before we got pregnant was our oldest so like there wasn't very much time to build a community to to help me navigate that so and I'm still working on that now like even you know five years later six years later um there I don't have a lot of people around me because of where we live that are in the same stage of life so I have to try and seek those people out and they are not always very close by Um, there was something that you said that was said in the reading about um, getting as prepared as you possibly can with all the things, but then never actually being prepared. Um, I felt that really hard this time because my first three kids were all really close together. Um, it was like, bam, bam, bam. And then this one was like five years later. Um, so there was quite a gap for me. And then, so during my pregnancy, I was like, okay, like I know like all these things about how to birth and how to have a baby and how to be a mom. Um, I know what to get, I know what I need. And then like the end of pregnancy came and I was like, I felt so unprepared and I could not put my finger on what it was that I was missing. Like what I have, you know, the clothes, we have the baby bouncer, we have the, you know, baby carriers, like, what do I need? I don't understand what I'm missing. I knew there was something missing. And then the baby came and probably like three days later it hit me. I was like, okay, it's like, it's nothing. It's, it's just the fact that you can never be prepared and that every, every baby is a new lesson and every baby will humble the shit out of you. Like I've never had breastfeeding issues before in my life, but I'm having breastfeeding issues now and with like baby number four and it's like you never know what the issue is going to be that you need help with you never know if you're going to run into the postpartum depression you never know like what's going to happen right after you give birth and um 
it's just like you need to be prepared to be prepared for anything basically like you're not going to be all the way prepared until you know like what your problems are going to be and you don't know that until the baby comes so that's where I was like hung up for some reason I just couldn't remember what <laughs> what is it that I'm missing and it was like oh yeah I'm not going to know that until it happens and that's the way it is with kids in general until they're you know until the end of time so yeah that's my experience right now yeah i think it's like being prepared for the un for for like i always tell this to clients like clients who are first-time moms especially and then like they get down to like the, the 37 weeks and all of a sudden now they're like super they're nervous and they get really anxious about things and they feel like they're not prepared and like you you're you have to be okay with not being prepared. You have to be okay with like taking things day by day and not going off of like what society paints for us because we live in this super kind of official world where everything's on social media and all the bloggers have all their like professional photos, um, you know, of them making cookies in the kitchen and you know, like, I mean, just like all this stuff and like, that's not reality though. Like your kitchen's going to be a mess and it's okay. You're going to have dishes that pile up. That's okay. You're going to have laundry that's stuck in the dryer. It's been there for days now and you haven't taken it out and folded it, you know? Um, and so like being okay with the, the unknown and not having control over that, especially for like type A people like myself sometimes. Um, so like, and one thing that Caitlin said, I needed company too. And I didn't realize that until like my third baby, I needed that social company of people coming over just to like talk with me um, and like watch a movie just to hang out. That is definitely something that I also needed, um, especially with Lily, because I was so removed from my family and still new to finding like my mom friends because it was my first baby. And uh, I just remember feeling so alone and I felt like I didn't know who to ask because a lot of my friends were moms and even the few friends that I had that were moms, their moms or their kids were also small and little. So they were already, you know, in the thick of it, basically like where I was and um, what Beverly said about not knowing what you need <laughs> for your kids until it happens for eternity is true. Um, Lily is still dealing with lots of different emotions, having to with, go through changes and going to school. And um, she came home with a letter from the nurse and she needs glasses. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's an ongoing thing and it's going to be happening, you know, even past the teenage years, I'm sure into their twenties and thirties for as long as you're a mother. And, 
you know, it's a little bit scary just thinking about it as they are getting older and in some aspects, like needing you less. Um, and sometimes not even knowing what it is they need or, you know, why they're behaving in a certain way because they don't have necessarily always have the tools or the communication skills to be able to convey that. Well, I have old kids and um, I'll ask Rose if it's okay if I share this, but she recently broke up with her other mother over boundaries and like, a, you know, just years and years of a relationship that didn't work and Rose actively growing herself and then her other mother not being on the same page. And so she broke up. So she's down a mom, you know, and I was like, oh shit, you know, like I'm the mom in charge now. Like I'm, you know, <laughs> the big mom now. Um, so it's interesting having adult children is that they don't need you. They don't need you. And then they need you. And then they don't need you. They don't need you. They don't need you. And then they need you. Right. Um, and so then I have to kind of put my parenting hat back on. Like I went over to her house on Sunday cause we normally see each other on Fridays and it hadn't worked out. So I was like, I just got to get my eyes on you and stuff. And so I, I had to remember how to actively parent cause most of the time it's on pretty autopilot. Right. You know? So, um, and that is daunting thinking about somebody who's going to need something from you for the rest of your life but it changes. And I think in my, you know, like I'm a better parent to adult children, just kind of like my mom was with me and it just changes. And it seems less daunting, especially when you do like you guys who with the little ones, you're doing the heavy lifting right now. You're doing the front loading. You're doing all the stuff now that sets them up for being, you know, better adults, better adolescents, all these things. Ooh. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Tiff just wrote, I so wish I had my mom around for this time of my life. You know, and my mom's gone, and, like, a lot of us are in the dead mom club in this group right now. And, um, you know, like, that never changes. Like, because I still, like, think, oh, I wish I could ask Susan. Like, we were at my dad's. We were in Orlando, my sister and I, Dr. Blythe and I, in Orlando last um, week with my dad, who almost died, right? And I just thought there was something I wanted to ask my mom. I was like, oh, I'll ask Susan. And then I was like, I can't fucking ask Susan. She's been dead three years now, you know? Like, so it doesn't ever go away. Um but maybe it's like parenting, you know, it's on autopilot, it's autopilot, and then it like just grabs you hard sometimes. So, and I'm sorry, Tiff, that you're, you're feeling that. But I did want to say that I do have adult children and um, they're the best. And then I want to give snaps for the Aunt Beebe's of the world because, you know, the, having the crazy aunt or the, the out there aunt who doesn't uh, have kids but comes in and swoops in and helps and takes them places that you trust, but you also know it's going to be kind of wackadoo and like help your kids grow. I mean, that's what's up, right? So like, I think we need to encourage people. You're not sure about having kids? That's cool. I got a job description for you. It's called being, you know, the nut bar aunt that's so much fun and, you know, like goes for the sleepovers and stuff like that. And anyway, so maybe that's a online class I'll offer. Not sure about kids? Be the nut bar aunt. Anyway, anybody else got anything to add on that? I'm so thankful for that aunt in my boy's life. Um, she currently lives with us. She has for almost a year and a half now. And she's starting to think about leaving and trying to prepare them for that is utterly terrifying. <laughs> um, but I know that she won't be able to stay away for very long anymore because she's gone for a weekend and freaks out when she gets to see them, you know. Um, but yeah. 
yeah, I'm sick and she's watching them so that I could be here and she's gonna help today when I'm homesick with two sick kids. It's some of the help I really need. I'd also like to point out like in that email that you were reading how the mom said she wished that somebody would ask if she was okay. And I remember sometimes people would ask me that and because of this wall I built up that I would just say that everything was all right, even when it wasn't. And I think that I just wish that I had allowed myself to be more vulnerable to the people who were trying to reach out and trying to care. I mean, even if it was family members who were 1,200 miles away, you know, at least um, knowing that they were willing to be the support, even if they couldn't physically be there. So that's another, like, allowing people to help you um, kind of thing that I'm still learning how to deal with. I think um, like this puts the burden on the birthing person and I apologize for that, but when someone reaches out to you and says, how are you doing? And you say, you know, I could be doing better. Maybe that's a soft way of everything sucks and I wanna burn it down, um, that you can be vulnerable with someone. But what is something like already knowing what is something that someone who is actually looking you in the eye and saying, how are you doing? How can they help you? And so knowing, cause that's a big thing. People wander around. They're like, I don't know how to help, or I'm going to, you know, give you one more fucking baby carrier that you don't need. Or, you know, people help in ways that may not be helpful because they don't know how to help you. Um, and everybody's different, right? As we've just kind of learned like what one person needs, someone else does. So really having an idea of what could be helpful if someone asks um, and then maybe even being brave enough to ask for what you need before someone asks. Um, I know that right now um, people are really looking at how to ask because um, Megan, the lady in the UK or whatever, who's married to Harry, I'm just seeing it on covers that she's really struggled. And so her PPD, just like uh, Serena's, is going to help the movement of people being like mindful of postpartum time. Um, and maybe knowing that people are going to start asking you because they're going to be socially uh, trained to do that. And then having an idea of what could be helpful. Um, just have a couple of things like locked in that when someone says, Hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I could do to help? And you'd be like, you know what, actually I just ran out of trash bags. Can you just Amazon those to my house? <laughs> Here's my address. Um, or anything that you could find helpful in your life. Like, cause people who ask you, they may have resources of time or money or compassion, um, or they might just want to look at you. Um, so just kind of having an idea of like, yeah, I'm really lonely. Do you think you could come over and have a movie night with me? Let's get it on the books. Let me write it down so I can tell my family, hey, on this night, do not disturb. You know, partner, should you have one? This night's on you. I'm going to hang out with my friend. Or um, there may or may not be someone in this group right now that was uh, – hard pressed to take a Monday night every week for themselves. 
So <laughs> like that really was a game changer, but it was real hard to advocate for. And there was a lot of like, I can't do that. That would never work. And I was like, you're going to die if you don't get this done. So like kind of figuring out what is important and then how to advocate for yourself. So I just thought I'd throw that out. And I know that there's the burden of that emotional labor of telling people what you need, but otherwise they're going to help you in ways that are not helpful. So just throwing that out there. Oh my goodness. Okay. So this just happened to me. Um, the other day I was going to, I was at a small, um, like family owned store and I was checking out and the lady that was checking me out asked me how old the baby was. And I said, Oh, like two and a half weeks. And she said, and she didn't ask me anything about what's her name. How much does she weigh? Anything like that. She said, how are you doing? And it was the first time, because people will ask each other that in passing, just expecting a good, how are you? And I could tell that it was not one of those, that she genuinely wanted to know how I was doing. She was genuinely concerned. She could tell that I didn't look okay at that point, and I wasn't. And um, she said, how are you doing? And I, I immediately said, I'm fine. And she said, are you sure? I mean, how many... How often is that that a stranger asks you that and then says, are you sure you're okay? And I said, I'm, I'm okay. I'm just tired. And then, um, and I didn't say much more to her. And then I left and I drove off and I thought, I've honestly been thinking about it ever since. It's been crossing my mind every day. Why couldn't I just tell her that I was not okay? And, um, I mean, it's not too much of a mystery for me. I just honestly like haven't had much help in my life and it hasn't been proven to me that that's what happens when you ask for help is that you get it. It's been proven to me over and over again that I will get turned down and I shouldn't even ask. And what's the point? And um, it's just very recently been that people around me are actually able and willing and wanting to help me. And so after so many years of not getting that before, I'm at a loss as to how to accept that. And I'm trying really hard, but it's, it hasn't been easy. I mean, the fact that I can't even tell someone that I'm really not okay when they ask me genuinely, how are you? I mean, it's just, it's hard to ask for anything. So I think that's um, definitely going to be a forever I don't know. It's going to be an issue for me for probably the rest of my life. It's something that I'm going to have to work on for forever. And I'm aware of that, but it's just, um, for some reason, postpartum, it, it's a thousand times harder to do that. So, you know, Rowan, um, had a really good friend. Um, I I'm sure he's still around somewhere, but his name is Jeff Shell. And Jeff Shell is like a, a model, like celebrity kind of guy, I guess. I don't know, but he's great. And what he taught Rowan, who taught me, is to answer the question you want to be asked, right? So we see celebrities that are interviewed about, they're supposed to be being interviewed about a movie, like say Beyonce is in a movie and the person's like, hey, I saw that you tripped and fell at your performance at the Super Bowl. And she's like, my new movie comes out next week. And people are like, is she crazy or like, you know, not smart and miss the question? No, she's been trained to answer the questions she wants to be asked. So maybe 
what we can do is take this next level. And instead of being emotionally vulnerable, when someone says, how are you? How are you feeling? Maybe that's too much, especially when we're vulnerable. And you say, you know what? Something that could really help me right now. <laughs> so like, how are you? No, how are you? You can be like, you know what would really help me right now? is uh, having some uh, uh, Amazon dropship trash bags to my house. Like you don't even have to engage in the emotionality or the vulnerability if you don't feel safe, but you could still have a need met by saying, hey, can you do this? And then, you know, there's a 50-50 chance that someone will actually show up and do it, but you've asked, you've advocated for yourself and you could look back in your mind and say, wow, when I was in that grocery store line and that person said, hey, how can I help you? in code of like, are you doing okay? I asked for this. They didn't do it, but I'm a badass because I asked. So I just want to throw that out there because the Jeff shell is incredible. And Jeff shell is a Nelly gay man who does not give a fuck about anybody's like specific questions or whatever. So I want to say that. Thank you, Jeff shell. And then the other thing is if you don't get your need met that first time, you already have your response locked and loaded. It's easier the second time, the third time, the fourth time, right? And then you just switch up the need that you want to get met. That was some great advice, Dr. B. Thanks for uh, that. And we're getting close to the top of the hour. Does anybody have anything they want to share or say as we kind of wrap up? I'm really sad since Tiffany moved away and Skylar asked to go to your house last night. So we had to explain to him that you guys are really far away and got really upset that there wasn't anything better we could offer than a phone call. And he was like, no, I don't want to do that. He just was really mad. So I really miss you. That's all. I miss you guys too. Um, yesterday, Willow and I had a heart to heart. She really wanted to go see Miss Cat and she wanted to play with Taylor and I think she said, I want to touch Taylor. And I said, well, we can talk to her and you can see her on a screen, but we're not going to be able to give her hugs or anything like that for a long time. And she just started crying and it just broke my heart. And I started crying and then she got upset because I was crying. <laughs> so it, it was a, a little bit of a loop. So that's been difficult to to get Willow to understand because she's asked many times to have playdates with Taylor because we lived with her. So it was a, a normal thing that we would see her on the regular. Um, Skyping would be great, but it can also be difficult because they get distracted by stuff that's here or don't necessarily just want to sit and, you know, be in front of a screen. So um, I do miss my Texas fam. I have this friend named Alma, and I was her doula for her last kid, whose name is Freya. And so Freya's like six or seven. She's a little bit older than Lily. And um, she had a picture of um, talking about screen time where Freya had, was FaceTiming or however it is um, while she was playing dolls. They were both playing dolls, like in two different houses, but they were FaceTiming each other while we're doing it. It was so sweet. So I think that's one way that technology supports us in a way that maybe we didn't have before. So. Um, a friend of mine in California, she told me this, that she will Skype bake with her friend and they pick out a recipe and they bake the same thing at the same time so they can share a treat that they both made that is kind of like 
a little bit shared because they made it at the same time. So if anybody wants to bake cookies over the holidays or anything like that, um, and it can be a baking date that we can do together. Oh, well, 100%, whoever wants to do that, give them all these log on stuff that we have so that you guys can do it like three or four people together on a Zoom, whatever. I don't care, just record it and I'll edit it and we'll put that up, bake along, you know? Yeah, Cause that's a great idea. I like that a lot, that's really fun. All right, my loves, well, we're gonna um, unmute ourselves and tell each other we love each other. I do wanna give Bev a big shout out because um, she's our first person to support, like I just turned it on on Anchor, the podcast, that you can be a monthly subscriber or supporter. So Bev is supporting us 99 cents a month. That is so cool. Thanks, Bev. You're our first one. I didn't even realize it. I got so excited. I sent somebody a text. It wasn't even my sister. I'm like, Bev's paying 99 cents a month. And I was like, oh, sorry. It was like some, I think it was a patient. I was like, oh, sorry about that. That was for my sister. Um, but anyway, I appreciate that. And I kind of looked at the math and Blythe and I, I think software wise and stuff like that, if we had 50 subscribers at 99 cents a month, that would cover our software, um, our outgoing costs. I mean, not encoding, you know, like our labor and stuff like that you know, and our skill set, but just the software platforms and all that stuff. So consider it um, joining in at 99 cents a month and we'll love it. And if you're not knowing where to do that, that's in the show notes. So, or at anchor.com. So PCBC. And I think that's it. So let's all unmute ourselves, tell each other we love each other. I'll see you in two weeks. Or hear you in two weeks, and that's what we're doing right now. Mama D is off doing something, but we love her too tremendously. Oh, there's Mama D. Okay, Mama D, I'm unmuting you. Oh, there we go. Love you guys. Love you. Love, love, you. love you, everybody. Sending Open-minded. hugs. Love yes. you. It's yes. good to see all your faces. Yes. Yeah, and we all cry together. Nobody cries alone. Nobody laughs alone. We're all in this together. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Two weeks, okay. my loves. Bye. 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 All righty, my loves. That's a wrap. We'll see you in two weeks. Don't forget to grab those headphones. If you need a text reminder, you can go to preggers.rocks, www.preggers.rocks, or preggerscanbechoosers.com. And there's a text reminder that you can sign up for. We're also on Facebook at preggerscanbechoosers. There's an event um, invitation that you can sign up for there. And we also have a group dedicated on Facebook dedicated to our podcast listeners. That's the podcast afterbirth group. So we'll hope to connect with you soon. And don't forget, we're launching our prenatal education podcast pretty soon. So we want you to jump in on that as well. Thank you so much and hope you have a great two weeks.